Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. Well, I expect a big crowd today because even though we don't believe in karma, <clears throat> we believe in grace. I have a feeling churches in Indiana will be very full today, trying to get God on their side for tonight. How many of you think, how many of you believe that the Colts will win the game tonight? All right. All right. Got a game to play. We'll find out, right? We'll find out. Um, before we get started this morning, I want to share with you something that happened uh, on Wednesday night of this week. You know, I've been talking quite a bit lately about how things, when they happen, they don't always go the way we want them to. And, and, um, we go through hard times. We, we experience difficulty and hardship and tragedy and heartbreak. And there have to be times when we go through that stuff that you probably look heavenward and say, God, what in the world are you up to? This doesn't make any sense to me. How can this be? I thought you loved me. I don't know how many times just in the last couple of years that I have watched tragedy turn into triumph for God. And what I'm about to show you is another um, one of those examples. On Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we baptized Janie Hensley, who is the brother of Mike Daly. And you probably don't even know who Mike is. He comes in the second service. Great guy. He and his wife, Debbie, come. Um, they lost their mom uh, a couple weeks ago. And it was a, while she was an older lady, it was kind of an unexpected thing. And it just broke their hearts. And uh, Janie, if you knew a little bit about Janie's story, you would know that she has seen a, a fair amount of heartache in the last year. Um, but as God always does, God has been speaking to her and God's been, been helping her to process and understand and communicating his love to her. And all that culminated Thursday night in her baptism. I want to show that to you real quick. What I didn't tell you, and I should have told you, is she is deathly afraid of water, scared to death. And uh, I looked at her right before I baptized her and said, Jane, just trust me. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Man, she just relaxed. She was calm. She did great. So she's going to come forward probably in the second service, and I'm really looking forward to that. That's just uh, that's a great way to start the day, isn't it? That's what we're all about. Um, we're, we're learning in this series, and, and I, I'm just going to tell you today, I'm very excited about the message today. I've probably learned more about faith preparing this message than, than I've learned. I mean, I learn every Sunday. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I learn more than you constantly. That's, that's just a given because I have a lot to learn. But, but this one, this week, I, I really have come away with a better understanding of what faith is and, and how it works. And um, we're, I'm, I'm hopefully going to take the, the word faith this morning and have you walk out of here and understand better uh, what Hebrews 11 is talking about. And if you want to turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11, we're also going to spend a little time in Luke chapter 5. We're going to spend a little time in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, Hebrews 11 is where we'll start and finish. But this series is, uh, 
is, is all about faith, what it is and what it isn't. And what we're learning is that <clears throat> the foundation of our faith is not our circumstances, that we can't place our faith in our circumstances, can't place our faith in our ability to interpret circumstances. That, that's no good. Uh, because we're not real good at interpreting our circumstances. And that if we do that, what happens is the pleasures of life will carry us off to a place where we look up one day and say, you know what, I don't know if I believe anymore. Or the pressures of life will be so daunting and so hard on us that they will crush us. And we don't want either one of those two things to happen, but whenever we place our faith in our ability to interpret our circumstances, that's when we start to run into trouble. The problem is we don't always know what God is up to. And things don't always happen within the parameters of what we think is right and normal and good. And so when something bad happens, we just automatically think that God doesn't love us or there's not a God, and it starts to tamper with our faith. As long as our faith is no deeper than our circumstances, we are set up for failure. But fortunately, God has called us not to plant uh, our roots in the ability to interpret circumstances, but in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what we have been talking about for the last several weeks. Today, we're going to talk about what is faith? What is faith? Sometimes you watch uh, television preachers, and they talk an awful lot about faith. You go to listen to a preacher preach or a teacher in a Bible class, and they will attempt to get you to understand faith, and in their attempt to make you understand more about what faith is, they can sometimes leave you very confused about the subject altogether. And sometimes what people are taught causes them to have expectations that are not realistic. And because those uh, unrealistic expectations go unmet, then uh, when that happens, uh, people come away and they get mad at God and, and they think that God didn't come through for them. And so they're, they're saying things like, why isn't God blessing me? Why, why is he blessing someone else and not me? You know, I've got all this faith. I believed and I did what the TV preacher told me to do and it didn't work for me. And oftentimes, there's such confusion in this area, there's so much confusion sometimes that it actually destroys faith, it does not build faith up. The other problem with the faith message is that, is that we, the one especially that we hear so often today, especially from television, is that the faith teaching we hear most commonly, commonly today is, how do I get God in on what I'm doing? How can I get God to come in behind whatever scheme I've got going on and get him to support this idea that I've got, because I've got a great idea. And God, if you could just get on board with it, and if you could just you know, add your little oomph to the whole thing, that's going to make it great, and that'll be wonderful. And, and you know, it's just, how do I get God to behave the way I need God to behave to make my thing happen? And so because of this confusion that exists today, I want to give you four things that faith is not. Now, I just want to tell you, um, you might, if you've got a pen in your hand and you've got your Bible, this would be a good this would be a good sermon. You're going to want to write a couple of notes in the margin. I'm going to define faith for you. I think you want to write that down somewhere on your Bible. But I'm going to give you four things that faith is not. First of all, <clears throat> faith is not a power. Faith is not a force. Many times faith gets presented in such a way that there's God and there's me and then there's faith. And, and if I can just leverage faith and my goal somehow as a christian is to tap into this thing called faith and oftentimes it's presented as a thing or a power or a force that if i could just leverage that the right way then god's going to do what i want him to do but that is not biblical christianity and that is not uh, what we really understand as biblical faith that might work for luke skywalker and that might work for darth vader 
But that doesn't work for us. That might be magic. That New age might work that way. But, but to look at faith and say, well, faith is this thing. If I can leverage it the right way against God, then God's going to do the things that I want him to do. Uh, it's something that we try to, to kind of throw a lasso around God's neck to make him do the things that we really need him to do. So faith is not a power. Number two, faith is not a formula. Faith is not like pulling up to your ATM machine and, you know, you just put the card in and it takes your card and then it asks you for four numbers and you put in those four numbers and then you, it gives you however much money you dictate that you need for that day. Faith isn't like that. Now, now people... Um, treat God like that and they they you know sometimes their prayer life is if I could just figure out the right pin number to get God to do my deal then then things are going to go great I just got to figure out what that formula is if you want to make a lot of money all you got to do is write a book that says how to get God to do the things that you want God to do because people probably buy that book I mean they don't want to buy books on service they don't want to buy books on tithing but they'll buy books on how do I get God to do my thing because Christians want to figure out the formula how do I get God to do for me what I need God to do for me but it's not a formula so so it's not a power it's not a force and it's it's not a formula the third thing faith is is not simply confidence there's a big difference between uh, confidence and faith if we could go down to Miami today just before the Colts take the field and walk up to um, Peyton or to Reggie Wayne or one of the guys, and I'm sure that we'd have total access. I'm sure they'd let us, you know, probably let us right into the locker room if we asked nice. Well, we're from the Crosslink Community Church in Terre Haute. You know, we're rooting for the team. Well, come right on in. But if we could do that and we could walk up to one of those guys and say, do you believe that you're going to win the game today? They're probably going to say, yeah, we believe we can win the game. We wouldn't have come to Miami if we didn't think we could win the game. If you polled every guy on the team and said, do you believe you can win the game today? Every guy on the team is going to say, yeah, I believe that we, we can win the game. Well, you know, this guy's hurt, and this guy's not, hadn't been playing very well, and this is what their defense is. Well, I don't care. We believe we're going to win the game. But what they have <clears throat> is not faith. What they have is confidence. That's confidence, what they're, <clears throat> what they're displaying. But the kind of belief and the kind of faith they're talking about it's not a biblical faith um, I asked you at the beginning of the sermon if you if you believe that the Colts are going to win that's confidence in your team that's not that's not really faith that's just you saying you know I, I have confidence that we're going to we're going to win this game in our in our English language we interchangeably use the words belief and faith and confidence which is fine until you go to the Bible and you start to interpret what faith is through your lens of confidence. When you think that faith equals confidence and you read Scripture with that in mind, it's going to skew how you interpret Scripture. And when you interpret Scripture that way, many times what you expect God to do because you have confidence and then it doesn't happen, then you get upset. That's, that's why sometimes people walk away from the faith or they leave church and they say you know I thought God was going to do this and God didn't do it I had confidence in him and no no there's a big difference between uh, faith and belief and confidence because what happens that when, when when people go and read their Bible through that lens then you hear people you know talking to mountains trying to get mountains to move well it says if I just believe that I can move mountains well that's you know it's because you 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 you've, you've interpreted scripture and you've interpreted what faith is 
from, from a, a word and through a lens that God never intended for you to do that. Faith and confidence are not the same thing. And we get fooled into thinking that if we could just muster up enough faith, you know, if I could just, if I could just believe hard enough, then God's going to do the things I want to do. I just spent some time with a, a lady this week, and, and that was really what was on her mind. She basically said that to me. I, Pastor, I, I do not understand why God seems so distant. I, I just I do the best I can to have faith. And what, what she described for me was, was I, I just had this picture of her in her room, you know, trying to pray with her eyes closed just if I could close them tighter. You know, if I could just, if I could get in a better prayer position, if I could just seem more earnest and more sincere as I prayed to God, if I could just somehow get God to see all this faith I have, then maybe he would feel closer to me, and maybe he would love me more, maybe, maybe he would do what I want him to do. And we just, we, we don't understand many times what faith is. So number four, faith is not confusing. Now, the way Bible teachers teach faith sometimes, I, the way I've been taught faith at times has been confusing. I'll admit to a certain level of confusion myself. But faith is not confusing. It's not complicated. Sometimes the way it's presented is complicated. But the bottom line is, faith is an essential element to Christianity. It's where we start. I mean, our whole, our whole existence as a church, our whole reason for being here this morning is our faith in Jesus Christ. But the thing that makes faith confusing is some people's desire, and my desire, and possibly yours from time to time, and we all fall into this every now and then, this, this desire that we have to manipulate God, to get God to do, God, if I could just get you to understand how this would really bless my life if you would make this thing happen. And so we, we fall into this deal where we're going to try and use our faith from time to time to manipulate God, get God to see, God, <clears throat> I'm really sincere about this, and if you just would get on board with me, I'm, you know, it's going to be great. And we, we think that we can use faith as some kind of tool. And, and what happens is when you pick up on somebody who's got that in their head, that faith can be used as a tool, it's amazing the whacked out theology you will get from people when they start talking about faith. You see people do crazy things. You see them <clears throat> hatch crazy schemes. You talk to people who don't understand faith, and the more they talk sometimes, it's like, goodness gracious, where in the world did that come from? That, that didn't come from the Bible. So faith is not a formula. Faith is not a force. Faith is not, a, is not confidence, and faith is not complicated. So then, what is faith? Well, that's really the question, isn't it? That's really what we want to know. We want to know what faith is. For the answer to that question, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. That is the preeminent chapter in the bible on faith hebrews chapter 11 and i know you've probably read this before but i'm going to show you some things this morning that i think when you walk out of here you're going to go you know what i did not recognize that i did not know that hebrews chapter 11 and it's it's really important that you lock in and listen to this chapter because this chapter defines for us what faith is and when i or some tv preacher or some preacher that you know or some bible teacher if they ever teach you something other than what you're about to read in Hebrews, we're just wrong. I mean, if we, don't, if we don't come behind what you read here and back up what you read here, then you grab this. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't know what's going on with my throat. You grab this, you bring it to us, and you say, look, preacher, <clears throat> you got that all backward. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is 
And you want to circle that word, okay? You want to circle the word is, because he's about to tell you now what faith is. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. There you have it. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. And then he does a very interesting thing. He splits off the concepts of hope and faith. Hope is this, hope is this thing that I, I, I want something to happen that hasn't happened, and I really hope that it happens, but I'm not sure it will happen. That's hope. Something that hasn't happened that I really want to happen that I don't know for sure will happen. You hope Indianapolis wins tonight. You don't, you don't know for sure that they're going to. It hasn't happened yet, but you hope that they do. Faith, on the other hand, he says hope is, hope, it's taken hope one step further. Faith is something that hasn't happened. I want it to happen, and I'm sure it's going to happen. Hope is, I, I sure hope that it happens. I don't know that it will. Faith is, it hasn't happened, but I know that it's going to happen. If I were to call you up and leave a message on your machine that said, hey, will you please come over to uh, mine and Meyer's house on Thursday and have dinner with us? When I got off the phone, I might say to Myra, I sure hope they come. But Myra and I aren't going to go out and buy groceries for a big dinner party or for, a, for some kind of dinner uh, because we don't know for sure whether or not you are actually going to confirm that plan and come to our place for dinner. At the end of the year, you hope you get a bonus. At the end of the year, you hope you get uh, some kind of cost of living raise. It's something that you want to happen. It hadn't happened yet, but you, you hope that it will happen. That's what hope is. I've heard lots of sermons on faith. I haven't heard very many sermons on hope. The reason that faith seems so complicated sometimes is that we forget that there's a difference between hope and faith. And so it's okay just to have hope. Right? There's times that, that that's really what God wants to see. It hasn't happened. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but I hope that it happens. And then faith takes it a step further. Faith says, uh, it hasn't happened. I, I, I believe that it's going to happen. And Scripture teaches us that faith is being sure of what we hope for. That when I have faith, I am somehow able to move out of the category of I hope it will happen, but I'm not sure that it will, to the category of, well, I, now I am totally convinced that this thing is going to happen. Now, here's the question. What allows a person in any realm of life to move beyond the hope stage to get onto the faith stage? What happens in a person's life, in any realm of their life, to move them from hope to faith? Something happens. Something is different. See, when I can move from, I hope you come and eat with me on Thursday night, to a place where I know you're coming to be with me on Thursday night, and I can prepare for that, when I can move from, I hope God is going to answer my prayer, to a place where I know for sure God is going to answer my prayer, that's what we're after. The answer is simple. Let's go back to our illustration for a minute. When should Myra and I go out and buy groceries 
for a dinner that we have invited you to? When should we, when should we clear our calendar? When should we um, clean the house? I mean, when should those kind of things start to happen? When you call me back and you say, Brett, got your message. Um, Thursday looks good for us. We can be there. What time do you want us to show up? At that point, you have now confirmed uh, our invitation. You have told us, you've revealed to us that you're going to be with us on Thursday. That's when I move from, I hope they come, to a point where I say, I know they're coming. So hope is, boy, it hadn't happened yet. I sure hope that it happens. Faith says, not only do I hope that it happens, I believe it's going to happen. What's the difference? They told me that they were coming. There's been a revelation. There's been something, I've been told something. I've been given a promise. The same thing is true in the spiritual realm. When, when we are allowed to move from hope to faith with God, when God has given us a promise, the promise of God or the revelation from God is what bridges the gap between hope and faith. So we go from I hope it happens to the faith of it's going to happen. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This, and this that he's referring to as faith, this is what the ancients were commended for. Then he spends the rest of the entire chapter using illustrations out of the Old New Testament illustrating this very thing. And men and women who wanted something to happen, God gave them a promise, and then they acted on the promise. These men and, and women, and, and this is important, they were not commended for their prayers and for their prayer requests. That's not what they were commended for. They were commended for trying to, to do something, for having uh, faith that God was going to do something in their life. That's what they were commended for. Faith is God has promised that he is going to do something and I'm going to act on his promise. That's what faith is. That, that's why Noah spent 140 years building a boat. Because God came along and said, Noah, um, this thing is going to happen called a flood, and I know you don't even really know what a flood is, but it's going to be bad, and, and uh, you need to be prepared for it, and you need to be telling other people uh, along the way to be prepared for it. And so um, Noah became a man of faith, and he started to build a boat because he had a promise from God that something was going to happen. So he gets commended for it in Scripture because he had a revelation, he believed that revelation, it was a promise to him, and so he took action on that, became a person of faith. That's why Moses went back to Egypt. God comes along and says, Moses, um, I am going to lead my children out of Israel, and um, I, I really, I've got, I've got a promised land for them, and, and I, you are the one that I've tapped that I want you to go in and lead them out. And I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And so Moses acted on the promise of God. Faith is seeing that something needs to happen. Faith is responding when God says it's going to happen. I've promised it. I have decreed it. I've said this is going to happen. And when we act on it, that's faith. That's what faith is all about. Faith is not simply making a request and hoping that it turns out. Faith is, no, God said this is going to happen, and I believe it. Now let's pull all this together. I'm going to give you a definition of faith, then we'll look at some illustrations. Here's a definition. I, I, I did not put this in my overhead notes. I should have done that for you. Um, I'm going to say this twice because if you're writing this in your Bible, I want you to have this definition. Faith is confidence that God is who he says he is. Faith is confidence that God is 
who he says he is. And that he will do what he has promised to do. Faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he has promised to do. It's confidence in the person and the character of God. It's confidence in the promise of God. We can have faith once God has made a promise to us. Before there's a promise or a revelation, we can have hope, but we really can't have faith because, and don't miss this, faith is always attached to a promise. Say that again. Faith is always attached to a promise. All through Scripture, you see men and women acting in faith because they were uh, responding to a calling or to a promise that God had made to them. And if there's no promise, then all you can really have is hope. You can't have faith. And the men and the women in this chapter that, that the writer of Hebrews talks about were commended not for their prayer requests, not, not for anything like that, but for their willingness to believe that what God said he would do, he would actually do. See, to express faith where you should really only have hope is pretty presumptuous. Let me see if I can explain that to you. If, if I were to call up Kyle and say, Kyle, I would like for you to come be with, with uh, me and Myra, you and Stephanie come. I would, I'd like for you guys to come on Thursday night and have dinner with us. And he's, he says, well, I'll have to check my calendar. I'm not sure I can do that. And then I go out and tell everybody, hey, on Thursday, Kyle's coming to see, Kyle and Stephanie are coming to, to be, have dinner with Myra and I. And then the next thing you know, that gets back to Kyle. And all these people run up to Kyle, hey, I heard you're going to Brett's house on Thursday night to have dinner. Kyle would be saying, well, I never told Brett I was going to, you know, that's pretty presumptuous because I haven't even cleared my calendar yet. I never told him I was coming over on Thursday night. I don't know whether I can come over on Thursday night or not. And he shouldn't be going around telling everybody I am because I might have praise team practice on Thursday night. So it would be very presumptuous of me to, to have faith that Kyle's coming because Kyle told me. Kyle didn't tell me. Kyle, I, I've invited Kyle. My hope is that Kyle will come. But I don't have any confirmation on that from Kyle. I don't have any revelation that that's actually going to happen. That's presumption. And the reason our faith is destroyed at times, the reason that we are so disappointed with God is because sometimes we confuse hope and faith. God hasn't promised. We put an expectation on God. God uh, doesn't come through and we think well you know what's wrong with god or what's wrong with me what what's wrong with my faith something's not right and our faith gets destroyed and we leave the church we leave organized religion and we shake our fist at god because somehow our expectation wasn't met because because god didn't act the way we wanted him to act you know what you can expect god to do you can expect god to do whatever he has promised to do you can expect god to do whatever he has promised to do do you know what you, here's really good news. Do you know what you can ask of God? <laughs> anything. You, you can ask anything of God because God is a heavenly father. He is your heavenly father. He is my heavenly father. And he gives good gifts to his children and he wants to bless us. He wants to do things for us. Just the same way you like doing things for your kids, he likes to do things for his kids. And some of the things that he would give to you, he has not promised to you. He's under no obligation, but he gives them anyway. Much the same way that, that um, Friday night, I took, uh, it was just mom and me and Tanner. And so 
we we went out in all the nasty weather and um, we kind of gave Tanner uh, you know we, we made Tanner kind of special that night and we did some things for Tanner that he didn't expect and there was no obligation on our part to do that but I did that because I'm his dad and she's did it because she's mom and we wanted to do something nice and bless our son God's no different than that that's why sometimes you get the job when you pray for it that's why sometimes you get the bonus that's why sometimes you get the girl that's you know that's why that's why sometimes the the, the good things happen in your life because God is a good heavenly father and he gives to us not because he's under obligation not because he has to not because you've manipulated somehow or you've prayed the right formulaic prayer to get God to do the things that you want him to do and as long as our prayer requests and this is a really important part of this as long as our prayer requests fall within the context of his ultimate purpose for our life and for the world and I think God is perfectly willing to do and bless and and give and we see that all the time I mean we, we constantly I mean we hear a lot of bad news around here we also get people call up and say hey just wanted you to know job came through and you know we rejoice in the office with stuff like that just wanted you to know we just got engaged oh that's great you know just wanted you to know that 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 we you know we've been praying for dad for the longest time to go to church he finally went to church with mom oh it's wonderful and God blesses us and gives us good things not because he has to but because he wants to not because we have faith that he will but because we hope that he will now let's put all this together you hear a lot of talk about faith healing right you ever seen faith healing happen on television and you go what is up with that what's going on I want us to look at two instances of faith healing in scripture that will I think help us understand the difference between faith and hope um, put a finger in Matthew in Hebrews and turn over to Matthew chapter 9 you want to hang on to that he Hebrews passage because we're going back there Matthew chapter 9 here's an illustration of where hope and faith come together and Jesus performs a miracle and we see what kind of faith is necessary for miraculous healing now I believe that God still heals miraculously I believe that my mother, when I was about 16 years old, um, she was, I mean, she had a doctor tell her, you will not be able to see within the year. And this was a Jewish doctor. And um, he gave her some exercises to do with her eyes. And, you know, she did her exercises faithfully and prayed. And I've told you all about my mom's little prayer table and her Bible and her little notebook and all that kind of stuff. And she got everybody she knew to pray. And, I mean, we were a praying bunch of people for my mom's eyes. And the next time she went to the doctor, he was prepared to do this very high risk at the time, very high risk, laser surgery, really kind of scary stuff. And he said, let's look at him one more time before we go in there. Let's take one more look. And he looked in her eyes, and he pushed away from her, her uh, chair. And the Jewish guy now, this is a dude who doesn't believe in Jesus, all right? He pushes away from her table and says, that is a miracle. And he said, you're not going to believe it. She said, I don't need surgery, do, do I? He said, no, can you believe that? She said, well, yes, I can. Now, I believe, I believe that was a miraculous thing. I, be, I believe that in hearing stories from you guys that from time to time, miraculous things have happened even within our congregation. We hear about that kind of stuff all the time. We believe in miraculous healing. We're not opposed to miraculous healing. But as you will see, it has as much to do with hope as it does with faith. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. 
Now, how did they know he was the son of David? They knew because they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed that Jesus was who he claimed to be. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am, what's the word? Able. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Not do you believe I will do this. Do you believe I'm able? Do you believe I'm able to do this? And then look at their reply. Yes, Lord, they replied. And here's what they're thinking. Probably. You know, I mean, if I'm guessing, this is what I would say. Yes, Lord, we have faith. We have perfect faith that you are able to do this, and we hope that you will. We know you can. That's faith. We know you can, but we hope you will. We have faith that you and your power and your character uh, are, that we believe you're able. And we hope that you will. Son of David, we know you can. We hope you will. And then look at what Jesus did. Verse 29. He touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? And then we get kind of a funny part in scripture. <laughs> and their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see to it that no one knows about this. And what instantly do they do? They went out and spread the news about him all over that region. But do you see the difference from Jesus' angle? The only thing it took for these guys to be healed, faith that you will. Faith, it wasn't, it wasn't faith that you will, it was just faith that you can. We hope you will. We know you can. To assume that he would would have been presumption. Be like me and expecting Kyle to come over when, when Kyle hasn't confirmed for me that he's coming over. But they knew that because of who he was, because of his character, that he had the power to heal. And all Jesus was looking for was not faith that he would. He was just looking for faith that he could. And he said, that's all the faith I need. And he reached down, and he touched him, and he healed him. Now, go from there. You can leave that passage. Go from there to Luke chapter 5. Keeping a finger in Hebrews 11, go to Luke chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground, and he begged him. Now get this picture in your mind. This guy is, is covered in stuff that no one wants to be around. No one wants to touch. This is bad, nasty stuff. He's covered with leprosy. He sees Jesus. And he knows exactly who Jesus is. That's faith. I have confidence that you are who you say you are, that you can do what you say you can do. That's perfect faith in who Jesus was. He falls down at the feet of Jesus. Now, contrast that with the picture that you've seen when you've watched faith healing on television. Or con maybe you've seen it done for, you know, live. Um, Here's a man who is so overcome with the person of Jesus, with the identity of Jesus. So much so that he just, he falls flat on his face when he sees Jesus. And look at what he says. Lord, if you're, what's the word? Willing, if you're willing, 
you can make me clean. You know what he's saying? I believe you have the power to heal me. I know you can. I hope you will. You see the difference? I, I have full confidence in your abilities to heal me. I know that that's a possibility. I don't know that you will because you haven't told me that you will. At the moment you tell me you will heal me, then, then my hope moves to confidence. But at this point, he doesn't know that. So what, is he, what he's saying is, I, I, I know you can. I hope you will. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Then look at what Jesus said. Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. You know why? Because he had all the faith he needed. And all the faith he needed at that point was hope. Not faith that Jesus would, but faith that Jesus could. He hoped he would. He knew he could. There was no guarantee, there was no promise, but Jesus is a loving Savior. Do you know what faith is? Faith is the confidence that God is who he says he is. Let's go a step further. You know what it means to walk by faith? That's a phrase that we use a lot. We, we talk about walking by faith. To walk by faith is to live your life or to behave as if God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. There's nothing complicated or difficult about that. The reason that Abraham packed up his family and started on a journey was because God said, this is what I want you to do, and as you do it, this is what I'm going to do. That's faith. That's walking by faith. And as a result, Abraham came, eventually they got, you know, promised land. Because faith must always be attached to a promise. But here's the flip side of the whole faith thing. And this is the part of this that's not a whole lot of fun. Okay, because faith... This is what you never hear a, a faith guy on television telling you when he's talking about sowing your seed and, you know, give me this much and, and you just got to have faith. You don't ever hear this side of the story. Well, I'm going to tell you this side of the story because this is as much a part of faith as the other side. You ever heard of a guy named Jeremiah? God comes to Jeremiah and he says, I am fed up with the nation of Israel. They're not doing what I want them to do. I'm going to get their attention. I'm going to allow them to fall into captivity. I want you to go announce to the Israelites that they are going to fall into captivity. Jeremiah said, I'll do that. I'll be faithful. I'll do that. I have faith. I'm, you're my God. I'll do it. And so he does it, and they throw him in jail. That's the other side of faith. Jeremiah was faithful, did exactly what God wanted him to do, he ends up in jail. Then there's this guy named John that you've read some of his books in the New Testament. John was a great believer in Jesus, was a disciple, believed in Jesus, believed that Jesus was going to come back, went around telling people that Jesus was going to come back. John ended up on an island. They put him there to rot, to die. That's the other side of faith. Then you've got Stephen, who who went around, believed that Jesus was who he said he was, believed that God was going to send him back one day and that, that, it was, that everything that he'd been told was true. So he goes around preaching that to everybody. They ended up stoning him to death. These are men who lived and walked by faith. See, living and being a person of faith, sometimes it has a happy ending, and sometimes it doesn't have a happy ending. But that's not a reflection of the the character of God that's not a reflection of the faithfulness of God because God is in control I want you to take a look at the end of this chapter Hebrews chapter 11 Hebrews chapter 11 verse 36 
talking about some people of faith. And this is where you hear that it doesn't turn out so good. This is where, you know, when you're faithful and you've done everything just right and it doesn't end well. I want you to hear what happened to some people who lived and walked by faith and what happened to them in their life. Listen to this. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Didn't end good for them. We say, no, no, God, you, you got it wrong. It's supposed to have a happy ending. When we walk by faith, it's always supposed to be good. You're supposed to do good stuff for us. And we're not supposed to go through hardship. We're not supposed to encounter anything that makes us uncomfortable or hurts. It's always supposed to end up with you walking right beside us and the sun shining and people around and everybody's happy. And then you come to this and it's like, no, God says, no, nothing's wrong. I have a plan. And I don't deviate from my plan. And as long as things happen within the context of my plan, I can't wait to give you the things that you ask for. I can't wait to make life turn out the way you want life to turn out. But at the point that the way you want life to turn out starts to interfere with the plan that I've got, a plan that you sometimes do not have the first clue about how to understand, I will not detour from my plan, God says. And I'm looking for men and women who will live their lives in accordance with my plan. And sometimes it has a happy ending. And sometimes it doesn't have a happy ending. But, but whether or not it has a happy ending is not a commentary on my faithfulness and on my character. Because I am who I say I am. And I fulfill the promises that I make. See, you could be here and you've got bad things happening and you're thinking to yourself, man, I just, I just, I don't have enough faith. I, I just, I must not have enough faith. And I'm saying that, that bad things could be happening to you because of your faith. Because of your faith. And God looks down and says, you are to be commended. You are my hero. Because what you're going through and because of your faith in spite of what you're going through. Maturity as a Christian is not measured by how well we're able to get God in on our deal. I know we think a lot of times that, that we're mature believers when we can get all our mojo going the right direction and get God on board with what we're doing. Maturity as a Christian is being able to say, God, I don't want my will. I want your will. Jesus was in the garden and the cross was bearing down on him and he knew what was coming. And there was a point where he starts to pray and, and it's a very intimate moment with God and he's very open about what he wants from God and what his thoughts are. And he says, you know, Lord, I, I, if there's any way you could make this go away. 
if there's any other way for, for your will to be accomplished and me not have to do this cross thing, that's what I want. But then he comes behind that and he says, not my will, but your will be done. Perfect faith in the character and decision-making abilities of his heavenly father. So the question is, what are we promised? What, what have you been promised? What have I been promised? Those are points of faith for us. Other than that, what we, what we do is we hope for certain things. Faith, God says he's coming again. That's faith. I have faith. That's going to happen. That's a faith thing for me. If I get sick today and, and I pray, God, would you heal me? I hope he will. I don't know that he will because he didn't promise me that he would. So as you leave today, there is a difference between hope and faith. I, I believe that he could. That's hope. I know that he will. That's faith. So hopefully that helps us. If you're someone who, as we've been going through this series, we've been talking about faith, and you think, you know what, as I listen to it like that, that makes sense to me. I mean, that's not, that's not crazy. That doesn't sound out of this world, nuts, out of his mind. I, you know, if that's who Jesus is, I, I can get on board with that. And if you've never given your life to Christ, and that's something you want to do today, we're going to offer an invitation where you can do that. And if you think, well, I'm not ready to do that today, but I would like to talk to somebody, you can always talk to me. We've got people in this church that would love to talk to you about coming to Christ. Uh, best decision you'll ever make in your life. And if you want to do that, you can come forward as we sing in just a few minutes. Let's pray first. Father, we have tried to sort out this morning the difference between hope and faith. Both are needed. Both are important. At the end of the day, Father, faith comes down to promises that you have made. We'll, we'll get into that next week. But a lot of what we do, Lord, is, is really just hope. We, we, have, we know this. We trust in a good and loving and perfect Heavenly Father who knows what we need and is going to take care of us and meet those needs. We know that you have a plan. And Father, the hard thing maybe for me sometimes to get my mind wrapped around is this idea that you have not one wit's worth of difficulty with my death if it is in your will. If the plan you've got going on requires that I would have to die, you're okay with that. And so the question becomes, am I okay with that? And a mature believer comes behind that and says, yes, I am. So, Father, that's what we want to be. We want to be mature believers. We want to be after your will and not our will. There are places where we'll have hope. There are other places where you have made a promise and we will have faith. And for that, we give you thanks. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.